This is The Extra Mile. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Extra Mile. I'm Justin Dunk. I'm always here with my co-host and favorite friend, the G5. Hey, George, how are you? Hey, man. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, And, of course, we have a guest on. We have Chase Smith, man. Um, who I see all the time when I take my kids to preschool. And I'm oh, like, really? yeah, I'm like, Paige always, my wife is always talking about him. I'm like, I need to check this guy out. Okay. <laughs> all right, Paige. <laughs> and so uh, he is on the podcast now. But no, he has expertise dealing with the homeless and the and those in experiencing poverty. And we wanted to bring him on and get his perspective on that. And, uh, teaching them about faith and, and God and and how that can relate to us and what we can do and um, and see what kind of wisdom we can pull out of Chase. All right. Does that sound good? It's also his birthday, so happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yes, please pour the coffee. Coffee is being poured as we speak. Yeah. Thanks. <clears throat> so... Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. For now, as you get started. Well, I am becoming caffeinated. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I have been at Open Door, uh, formerly called Carpenter's Church. Uh, I've been going to, I've been worshiping there since 2011, but I joined the staff there in 14. Uh, after graduating from LCU with a missions degree and uh, there's a church here in town uh, called South Plains Church of Christ, and they support me as a missionary there. Yeah. And my current role is I'm the director of our community center, uh, which is kind of the hub um, and is this kind of a multi-purpose space that's low barrier and accessible for anybody that's needing that kind of space, uh, especially throughout the day. Uh, so predominantly we have a lot of people uh, in and out who are um, – experiencing homelessness, uh, some who are chronically homeless, and so happens to be it's also where our church is as well. Church is in that same building, and uh, I have ministerial ties and duties with, with the church side of it as well. That's great. And so um, we're located off 19, we're off like 13th Street and S. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm from the Lubbock area, I was telling Caleb, I'm, there's a small town south of here called Meadow. Um, oh, yeah. That's where, I, that's where I went to school. It's very small. Meta. Or Meta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm probably supposed to say that live. Yeah. Meta. <laughs> that Meadow. Um, so, yeah, I grew up around here for the most part my entire life. Um, and I'm mar- married to my wife, Kara, uh, who was asleep. I think everyone's still asleep when I left this morning, which was which means it's gonna be a good day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've been married for seven years. Uh, we have two children. Uh, Addie is four, um, which you're mine's four too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the four year old, and then I have a one year old. His name's Calvin. Yeah. Oh, you're in the thick of it now. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's my, funny. My youngest is three and a half, and I'm can't wait for four because we're in the middle of it yeah three stuff but once you get four you, know, you start becoming more like kiddish and it's yeah. just like oh wow yeah yeah that's good take yeah it's it's a good it's a good time but man you want to cherish every moment three two that's true because you're like yeah. I was just but i agree with you four year old like everybody man. was asleep when i left this morning it's gonna be a good day yeah <laughs> yeah 
It's an interesting perspective. And the, as long as the kitchen is clean and the dishes are done. You were saying something about homelessness and chronic homelessness. For the listeners who just know nothing, I mean, what what does that mean? Yeah, so we're from a technical side because we're – so we have a – I should probably describe Open Door a little more. So that that's where I am at within the organization, um, you know, Umbrella, Open Door – the community center church there's also our permanent supportive housing program and then there's also a our survivors program which is a transitional program for uh, men and women fleeing domestic violence or sex trafficking and yeah. so um permanent supportive housing is a hud funded they're both hud funded but permanent supportive housing is a hud funded program where uh it houses people who are chronically homeless which means essentially means you've been homeless a long time Gotcha. Uh, HUD will will comb it to if you've been in and out of homelessness like three or four times in the last um, like twenty four months, like four times, or um, consecutively for uh, twelve months, you meet that definition. Um, so there's there's definitely like a chronological piece to it, but oftentimes these are people with uh, the most complex needs in our society. So on top of a lot of times generational poverty, um, just lack of emotional, lack of resources, essentially, um, yeah. in a very chronic way. Um, on top of having, you know, psychiatric disorders, substance use disorder, and things like that. So I think there's, there's oftentimes a big misconception that even I've had to work through as well when it comes to the homelessness. Is we hear all the time, at least from maybe older generations... When they see someone that is homeless, oh, just pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, just why don't you just go get a job? If you just get a job, we'll fix your problems. What are you doing? Almost as if you know, you know, they can fix their problems like this if they just do, you know, what society demands of them. But like you're saying, there's there's layers often to this problem. Right when you pull back those layers, I mean, we have trauma and like you were saying mental illness and addiction and abuse, um, all these other things. Is that right? You think or? Yeah, I think that you know, there's a there's a deprivation of resources that tends to surround someone who's homeless for a long time because then there's episodic homelessness, which you know that it's it's more of a brief, non reoccurring uh, take where. Let's say someone's house like burns down, right? Kind of this existential crisis. Yeah. You know, prior to that, they were they had a home, they had lots of stuff, they had the means to live in, uh, you know, not not be outside. And so, uh, this 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 bigger group, or excuse me, it's actually a smaller group, but this this group you were kind of referencing with a lot of the complexities, like, yeah, the means of which to, um, like. If there's bootstraps to be pulled up, you can pull them up. But, okay. Uh, I mean, this is like a, I think a Colin Powell quote, but some people don't have bootstraps to pull up, right? So we're we're putting an expectation on a group of people that's inherently misguided, right? And and just it's just mute, right? It's it's really deaf because we're just missing out a lot of details. Um, and so I think. The story, or you know, people coming out of of homelessness, right? We're if you're around open door uh, any amount of time long, you're going to say housing, housing first, hmm. right? 
um, the old model is we're going to, you have to get your ID, get sober, get a job, and then you get a home, right? Um, kind of, you know, just kind of a model. And it's it's archaic. Um, but Housing First says, and it's out of a lot of that, you know, a lot of evidence-based stuff. And it, it says, how about we get you the house first mm. in order to get you better footing to get sober, get a job, maintain some of these kind of basic um, uh, milestones in order to, you know, make progress uh, wherever that looks like for anybody. It feels like, hey, I've uh, there's something going here. Absolutely. Um, and so, and that the older model also fits with the shelter model, um, which, um, I mean, here in context of Lubbock, Lubbock for a long time has uh, not even had enough shelter beds for the population that's outside. Um, and so, yeah, it's really cool to look in our history because we've, oh, I can't remember the, the year we started our, the, our PSH program, but it just came out of a lot of research and just being in community with people that the systems in Lubbock that were existing as far as, as help and benevolence just wasn't working for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So when you started your program, those numbers diminished because you were able to provide more resources. Uh, yeah, they went down. Um, we've, uh, homelessness as Lubbock has been consistently being lowered and lowered year after year. We're waiting on the pit uh, count results um, for 2022, or for the most recent one. Um, but essentially, um, yeah, it's been on a decline steadily. And so um, we're – obviously we – our program, uh, our PSH program has over 85 adults in it right now um, who were chronically homeless and who are now housed. Um, and, and so that, that plays a role in that. There's a, there's a lot of roles. There's a lot of things I think that factor into why homelessness in Lubbock is uh, declining. So, um, anyways, yeah. That's completely fascinating to me. Um, I typically, uh, when leaving work, I will encounter a few of these people, yeah. uh, who I assume either are part of the program or not. Um, you know, just standing on the highway asking for any help. Where do you where do you work? I live on the south side of I twenty seven and about ninety eighth Street. And so okay. when I'm coming up, it's the corner of eighty second. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it's interesting passing. You'll typically see the same person, but I, I have noticed over the past three years I've worked there that uh, every couple of months it'll be a different person mm-hmm. uh, standing at that corner. Yeah. And that's that's kind of a snapshot of of homelessness across the board. Um, homelessness, and even in the United States, for the most part, is brief, non-reoccurring, and kind of episodic, right? Uh, the the smaller portion is that is that group that has kind of the layers of complex needs, um, and so and and panhandling is. Is office it, obviously it's kind of the public. It's one of the public images we get of homelessness, um, and it and it could. It's just a and, and you know I'm in the community center uh, off off 13th Street, like I mentioned, and so we have a number of things going on there that I think draws people in 
in need who, who have various needs. And so, um, but it's crazy when it comes to pain handlers, um, a lot of times they're, they're not homeless. Um, and hmm. w- as far as like the strict, like definition well, I was gonna of ask, homelessness. Yeah. 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 So, um, now the means of pain handling, um, may be keeping them out of homelessness in some cases, like they're, um, taking what they get and they go get a hotel room. But what's crazy is like HUD doesn't call living in a hotel, like, like being homeless, right? Yeah. Um, you're leaseless, obviously you're mortgageless, right. but you know, HUD's, if you're sleeping outside, if you're sleeping in a place where it's not plumbed, where it's not, uh, grounded for electricity, if you're sleeping in a vehicle, if you're sleeping outside in a tent, right? Those, those are some of their like rigid, you know, their, their traits, right. They're looking for, um, and I I know most of panhand Lubbock's panhandlers, um, and and not all of them are actually living on the streets. Mm. Um, now, if they quit panhandling, that might be the, the case uh, following that. And so, um, we advise a lot of people never to hand out money, though. Um, I was going to say, I mean, what do we, people don't really like that driving down the street, and they don't know what to do because they feel guilty driving down. Right, right. But so you're saying, best thing is not to do that. Right. So going back to that older, like, and and this comes from just a lot of research, but a lot of times a lot of solutions to homelessness don't really s- surround just, like, money, right? Or, like, the, it's right. Um, it's not, they're not issues that are fixed necessarily by, mon- like, money. Uh, maybe maybe with, like, oh, let's, let's provide this utility bill that this family is going to be able to not pay this month to keep them from becoming homeless right there's there's definitely the need for for monetary um um means but a lot of times it's it's pretty like holistic right um and we lean a lot of like on ruby Payne. y'all know you're familiar with ruby Payne? she's a um she's really big in education but essentially um she really defines poverty and being po- like the means of a variety of resources and how well um and how well you're connected to them. And so it's for her and a lot of research, the fiscal part of it's actually one of the least, like it's one of the mm-hmm. least important ones, right? Um, mental, emotional community, um, mentoring. Um, some of those would be more of the priority things that uh, a lot of people actually also don't have. And so for example, if the number one of us were to have a house catch fire and burn down, because of, not because we have maybe something in checking or savings, but also our resources beyond our fiscal would most likely a lot of times like keep us from becoming homeless, right? Right. Friends, you know, or even like church community, family, um, those just aren't always given, right? I I'm in relationship and I'm in community with a lot of people that really, by estrangement or um, or aged out foster care, like they really never had those things like even inherently so and so um the means of transcending disasters or um crisis uh traumas just wasn't there and so um yes okay and you deal a lot with that trauma like yeah we we are 
we oftentimes are crisis oriented at the community center. Um, or we, yeah, there's a lot of people who have trauma. Yeah, come to open door. So if people can't, they can't give, you know, it, like their money. Um, what is the best way that people can help? Do you think? I mean, people are always. That's the question I always hear. I don't know if you feel that way, Justin, but it's, they see the public and and they see the panhandler. They don't want to enable. They but they want to do something and they're not sure where to do or, or where to do. Just in their own circles, what can they do? Yeah, um, definitely connect with those who are in the work right mm-hmm. and start with them which i guess is kind of what we're doing right now but um you know for anyone in other communities um you know who who is doing the work and what can i learn about what yeah what's being done what what's not being done um and i, I will say like at open door we're really we're, we're we like to we're really we put a lot of emphasis on being a community developed organization yeah um that's kind of like some like nonprofit terminology, but essentially we're big on being relational right. people, uh, a community of God that's bent on um, working through a lot of barriers, working uh, through a number of things that keep people from connecting, um, which is notorious amongst uh, people who are experiencing homelessness, who are in survival mode, who have various traumas. Um, and so if, if there's... Uh, I, I our our response to people that definitely want to get involved that want to do something is have long term in mind, um, you know. And what what about because that's when we're gonna see kind of the best work done. Uh, a lot of times it's not in like brief just occurrences. And so obviously there are uh, soup kitchens in Lubbock, um, yeah. uh, throughout Lubbock. In fact. People who, ha- if you ever see someone who has a sign that says they're hungry, um, it's just it's a poor use of the term. There's a free meal in, down- in the downtown area of Lubbock f- for every meal of the day. Uh, even Open Door, we have daily breakfast. Yeah, uh, Salvation really. Army has breakfast. Um, there's, And we have a resource on our website that um, has a lot of this stuff on it. But at 211, it's, you know... So there's definitely ways to get plugged in there uh, on that level, but um, people aren't hungry. And, and Lubbock does two things really well when it comes to benevolent work. We have There's clothing closets everywhere, and there's a lot of soup kitchens. The food pantry, mm-hmm. South, Plain food, food, South Plains Food Bank is huge, and they're super well-supported and a big resource in the community. Um, so, yeah, you won't be naked and you won't be hungry in Lubbock. You still might be homeless, but uh, okay. not the latter. And so... Um, if you're in that situation, yeah, never, never, obviously, hand out money. We would advise so. Uh, a lot of people are in addiction; they have substance use disorder, and yeah. so, uh, predominantly, a lot of times, that's what that goes towards. Um, and there are um, going to be situations where people, maybe it could be a family or something like that, and we're really big on diversion. And so, what are you aware of resources here in town? Um, are you aware? Uh, of the shelters in order to get your family off the streets. Um, and and so just making sure people are aware of resources in town um, and and I think just partnering. And so we're, we're just really big on 
uh, not duplicating services as well. And so between networking and um, becoming aware of what's already being done in Lubbock, so I'm not just getting in the way. I'm not just You're not competing for I'm not becoming some competitive yeah, uh, alternative that's really nice resource that someone's already been doing, right? Right. Um, I mean we need more housing in Lubbock. We would love anyone uh, to house people. It it always goes back to Christ whenever we're talking. I mean we're a religious podcast and so we okay. we like talking about the instruction from Jesus and what is our responsibility as followers of Christ mm. and how can we help uh, the poor it's yeah. it's mentioned multiple times his disciples you, <clears throat> you could even tell it was their their environment within the discipleship where they were taking objects that had value for instance um, they were even trying to rebuke Christ because a woman had taken a a vial of perfume that was worth almost a year's wage so you can and let's just arbitrarily say fifty thousand dollars worth of mm-hmm. of substance and she broke this vial and anointed christ's feet and the disciples were saying this was such a waste we could have given this money to the poor mm-hmm. um now there may have been an ulterior motive in that story because judas iscariot um though he betrayed christ we're also told that he was in charge of the money box mm-hmm. and that he would pilfer funds out of it um John tells us that, but uh, the idea is that Christ says what she's done, leave her alone, is what his rebuke was of the disciples. Leave her Mm -hmm. alone. What she's done is a good thing. It's preparing for me for my death, which was about to happen. Uh, But he says something very telling to me that's kind of weighed on my heart, and um, perhaps you can help uh, alleviate that. But Christ tells his disciples that the poor will always be with you. Mm. I, however, will not. Mm. And so um, perhaps the rebuke was just singly focused on, no, she's done an act of worship to me. Uh, he's reasserting his deity. But his statement stands, no, the poor will always be with you. Yeah. Can we just read those verses? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 26, uh, sorry, verse 10. When Jesus learned of this, he said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a good service for me. I think good service is important to note. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And I'm talking about a time frame. When she poured this oil on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, she has done, uh, will be told in memory of her. Yeah. Well, I mean, she is the alleviation of, of even um, impoverished devotion is is happening there right yeah um i mean the word in the flesh is among them and she's not gonna she's not gonna miss that opportunity right right um and so but coming you know coming back to that statement it's uh the poor will always have among you yeah it's um especially with people in 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 our line of work it's it's kind of an overwhelming thing to think about um um Knowing that, okay, there's just like, it's kind of like the ocean, the waves of the ocean, you're just on the beach, like, this isn't stopping. Right. Like, these will these will continue just to roll up on here, even though... And some days it uh, may be catastrophic yeah, waves. Yeah, there's a tsunami. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that makes me think of working lost luggage at the airport. Like, you're never going to have it's, a good day. It's endless. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully they don't listen to this. Sorry. <laughs> if, if you are, I apologize. <laughs> For, yeah. for being so raw there. 
it's yeah and so um but yeah like but working with poverty alleviating poverty um serving like it's um i think one of the big things we're really convinced of for anyone that that takes it personal right um because that's yeah i i identify someone that take that that scripture personal um and I'm, i'm really bound to it and it's very grounding and there's for me, an identity check taking place that, um, and this happens a lot when people enter the work of helping people, but there's there's a, there's sometimes superiority complexes with that, right? Um, here I am, this sober housed um, person with stability coming into the context um, to fix something, right? To um, to help somebody to. And, and and so I think with um, something that's really grounding is, okay, when we really um, really look into our own humanity um, and see that my own empowerment, my own dignity is bound in solidarity with those of, with with everybody, um, then it's, it's really leveling at that point. This isn't um, this isn't something that I am doing for somebody, but holistically, it's something that we're doing with each other um, and for each other with God. Um, and I think that that really, I think, anchors for long-term involvement, right? Long-term um, kinds of work that tend to have some of the greatest results of change. And there's this proverb we have, um, y'all ought to visit sometime. Um, we have a lot of art in our church, but it's this proverb, and it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so there's just this embodiment of, of relational context where uh, everything we want to do, like we want involved and hinging on, you know, dependent with that. And so... Um, that really across the boards of organization is reflected um, and, and emphatically so. Uh, it's something that it's like an unconditional value of ours. And so um, I think that when people come and want to get involved with Open Door um, and want to, you know, walk alongside us, it's okay. Before you, before you lift uh, a spatula, before you empty a trash can, before you do anything, become known and, and and available and and learn people right and so um it's it's just mutually empowering at that point it's no longer i'm i'm coming in as um immigrant right um that's or or you know we're we're going to the zoo we're going to look at the exhibits and then we're going to leave mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um but instead it's okay I'm I'm finding my humanity, um, not only in the people that I'm looking at, but I'm discovering more about it in my myself, and so just personal. Yep. There's a great concept that uh, I don't know if y'all have ever experienced this, but um, a, a long time ago, before I had been able to articulate what the experience I was having is, and you'd find yourself at a red light or whatever, and you'd sort of look around and be struck with this moment of aspiration and thinking I am the center focus of my existence 
Mm. all of my complex thoughts and all of my needs and all of my family and my connection and my network. <clears throat> and then there's someone six feet from me in their car who is also the center of their world and their experiences and their complex network of connections and, and livelihood. And then six feet from that. And we're surrounded by, there's hundreds of thousands of us, 300,000 who at least who live here in Lubbock and all of us are. And so I, I find these moments where I was just sort of swept away. Um, I swear I wasn't on anything, but um, just to have these moments of, wow, everybody is living uh, as complex of a life as I am, even though I only interact with, you know, George a couple times a week, Caleb a couple times a week. Um, that they are just as complex and just as in need of humanization. Mm. And I actually was able to articulate that. The definition of that experience is called Sonder. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so um, it helps because I'm an artist, and so it helps to have um, words to be able to articulate these feelings. But um, what I've been working in in my professional life, I do solar, where – there's so much need for people to be able to interact with one another on a human level. Whereas, oh, just, just take your plans and put it in the portal. Oh, just, no, we don't take phone calls. Just upload it to the website and we'll get to it. And so it's all very objective and very cold. Yeah. And we almost need to inject Sonder back into our lives. And you said the word is to humanize ourselves. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the incarnation. Yeah. Like that's, that's what God has done. That's what God did and did among us. Right. And so, and that's becoming, becoming more like him is that essentially, mm-hmm. that is humanization. Mm-hmm. I mean, for those, for, out, out, you know, for those that, are, that have faith. I think that's the point of the verse there in Matthew 26 that we're talking about, right? We're not going to have the poor forever. You know, we're going to have the poor forever. You're not going to have me, essentially is what he's saying. Right, and he's sometimes we can take that out of the out of context and say, "Well, we'll always have the poor," but Jesus is saying, "Like you're only going to have me here talking to the disciples there uh, as an example for only so long." So you should be paying attention. You'd be paying attention yeah. to how this lady here serves me, connects with me, and and then try to apply that to your lives as well. Well, and there's the poverty of devotion. Yeah. Right. Like there's there's neglect in 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 our life when it comes to. Leaning in and being connected to God, yeah. And I and coming back to what you're saying, I mean, it's illuminating. You're that's kind of a, or so I I also have a, a, I'm a contract therapist with the Broadway Counseling Center, so I, I do some therapy on the side. Um, I can't tell you how many clients I've had that, of course, have complex needs that have a lot of things going on, anxiety, depression, but. There's such a thread between so many people right now who are disconnected yes. from others, right? That are, that are super isolated and have very just tunneled lives, and the the amount of setbacks that are taking place with with our own humanity when we become less and less connected from each other um, is 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 becoming kind of just like catastrophic actually like mm-hmm. we have a mental health crisis going on and obviously this, this is evident with chronic people <sighs> in, you know chronic homelessness like this is this can this is what can happen when this becomes generational when this is like stretched decades right um and so 
we're, we're really big at that open door. And I think it's because we're convinced that God is really about that. Um, how we, we are less human when we are less connected. We are less human when we not only not see humanity in our lives, but the humanity in someone else. Yes. Um, we're, we're robbing, we're, we're, we're definitely like taking and removing dignity. We're taking that, um, the imagio Dei, right? The image of God from them, um, or even from ourselves when doing that. So that level of dehumanization has been rampant in society that has led to all the atrocities of the world. When you can look at another human being and think that they're lesser than you and you have been deceived by the devil and mm. the philosophy of you are not a real person. Your soul is not worth saving. Your needs mean nothing. And if I, I would hope that if you find yourself, if anyone found themselves into that situation, they would take a great pause and heavily reconsider their thoughts because every person, every person is worth it. Yeah. Well, that's the necessary means when we want to squash them, when we want either an entire group of people squashed or this yes. in particular person. I mean, there's a guy arrested here in Lubbock. I know, I know he's like he had like Canadian origin, but he's getting federal charges, and he's gonna go. He's gonna do federal time because uh-huh. he got online and was like, "We need to like go after people's children for them to get the message that this is not like intolerable." And I think he was, um, he's kind of linked to a lot of conspiracy stuff, and um, he's really upset about the Arizona like election results and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um. That is some of the necessary things that need to be convinced of when we're trying to eradicate, when we're trying to do some like some of this like either micro or macro grade evil. Yes, mm-hmm. that that is evil in its entirety, and Christ has never been like that. If you no. you read the teachings of Christ, what he stood for, it's all about love, and it's all about reaching out and helping people, and with with love, 